Ever feel worn, useless, and too broken to belong anywhere but the landfill? Well, Tina Yeager, author of Upcycled, Crafted for a Purpose, did. Today, in this bonus episode, Inside a Heartlifter's Story, we hear Tina's story of being upcycled by God. Let's welcome Tina to the show. Thank you, Janelle. It's always a blessing to be in your presence. You have just such a wonderful energy about you, and you have a heart for helping people find their full purpose and live fully. As do you, my friend. I am so intrigued by upcycled because it is a word you don't hear very much, at least in any of my subcultures that I move in. Why upcycled? Where did that come from? Well, I was actually taking a walk with the Lord in the park shortly after I went to a Christian product expo conference. And I noticed that when I met ministry leaders there, and when I met retailers there, there was this issue of people not gathering again, even after that forced isolation period was over. And I was processing that with the Lord. And I was like, this is heartbreaking. People are hurting mm-hmm. so much. We're broken. We are worn. We are weary and we're in pain and we need renewal that we can only find together. And yet people are getting comfortable in being mm-hmm. alone. Yes. How can we meet people where they are and help them to find the renewal message and the healing and the truth of, of them being worthy of being used in the kingdom of God and yet get them also to gather back together again. And the Lord started bringing to mind these images of these beautiful things that I love to go shopping for in the antique malls and yes. all of the stores and boutiques <laughs> where people have taken something old, vintage, maybe even junk that was ready to get thrown away and put in the landfill and made it even more beautiful and purposeful yeah. than it was before. That is the term upcycling. I thought this is really a tangible way of looking Mm -hmm. at what God does to our souls and our hearts and our minds when he gets his hands on us after we've submitted ourselves and all of our brokenness and flaws and and frayed pieces to him. He makes us better and more beautiful than we ever were before. And then we ever Mm. thought we could be. It's amazing. So upcycling is a legit term. Yes. In that world of antiques or recycling, or um, I, I would even say in the Magnolia Network has brought yes, that to the that. forefront, <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, I was just obsessing over Restoration Road with Clint Harper, with my daughter who had flown in from South America, and we were just so into it. And it, it, that's exactly what he does on that show, is take these old, historical, dilapidated, in the middle of hidden in the middle of forest and things that these historians find and they they move them and they redo them and it it's such an uplifting sense to know that you can take something so damaged and so broken but has such history so when i when i watch that from what i do in my life that's how i see legacy right that's how i see our lineage i see our family histories and many of us, myself and my husband, come in at such a time as this, and we go, well, this is really a dilapidated family history, and it needs to be upcycled. 
Does that make sense? Can I, yes. can I add it to that? Can I put that bent on it? Absolutely. Because that's one of the reasons that we might say that we aren't good enough to be used by God is that yes. our past or our family dysfunction might disqualify us. But yet, if you look in the Bible, mm-hmm. all the people that God chose, partly because there weren't any other choices. I mean, let's face it. The only perfect person to walk the earth was Jesus. It so was. of all the choices, he had flawed people or flawed people. So yes. he chose people with tremendous dysfunction that we can relate to. Yeah. And you write about that. I, I told you before we came on that I was, I'll use my British friend's word that I love to use a lot, gobsmacked at uh, this paragraph. So I'm going to read it. At 19... I shuffled along a gutter and pleaded with God to let me die. Roadside grime deepened the scuffs on my nightclub sandals. I fixed my gaze on the trail to the sewer where I felt I belonged. But Jesus, those great words. But Jesus refused to abandon me as waste. Well, Tina Yeager, I did not know this about you. And so when I read it, it totally personified the title of the book and the work of this book, that you are a living work of art and that you were upcycled at one point. If you would share maybe a little bit about that and why you placed that paragraph right at the beginning of this book. Well, I wanted to make sure that people knew no matter where they're at right now, that there's hope. Even if you are in the darkest pit of hopelessness, I get that. And we are not all in the same dark pits. Each dark pit looks a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I just wanted people to understand that Jesus sees you. Mm -hmm. He sees you and he cares about you. And in a way, you know, that life died, but he remade me into something brand new, Mm -hmm. better than I ever was before. I didn't have to live in that trying to get approval or acceptance or any of those things from all the wrong places, I could instead get all of that need met in my relationship with Jesus. And when I became able to see that Mm. new opportunity for worth and purpose, then he was able to remake me into something that could be a vessel of hope for other people. So your mess He can Mm -hmm. take that. And that was my mess. My mess was Mm -hmm. zero self-esteem, depression, Uh, wanting to cut out and die and just, you know, give up because I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. I didn't feel like God could use me. I mean, he'd given me good things. I had a pretty good family. I had opportunities, but I was failing and failing Mm. and failing. And, and Mm. I just felt like, you know, there was no way anybody could accept me and I was never going to be lovable. But then God said, I see you, Mm. you know, even in that moment after an assault, that was directly right after an assault moment. And Mm. that's why it was such a dark pit. Okay. Um, And coming out of that moment, your feeling of being ashamed and worthless Mm -hmm. and low is such a contrast to anything that's light. Mm -hmm. And you do feel like you just want to wash away with the sewage at that moment. What does it look like to come forth from that, if you wouldn't mind me asking? If only I could say I didn't know better and I hadn't Uh known Jesus before that, Yeah, then it wouldn't have been quite as much of a shame moment, but Mm -hmm. I did know better. I get that. Mm -hmm. I grew up in the church. I knew Jesus personally. 
I knew better. I knew better. I knew better. And I still fell. I still made all the wrong choices. I still made all those mistakes. I still did all the partying and drinking to try Mm -hmm. to fit in with other people and ended up, you know, drugged and assaulted. And I still found myself there, even though I should have known better. Whether you don't know Jesus or you knew him and you Mm -hmm. fell, he still has enough grace for you. He does. He still loves you and he wants you to be part of the kingdom of God and his work. Mm -hmm. So that is a message I hope (laughs) is one that helps lift somebody up out of that place of shame. God doesn't abandon us when we get chipped when we get worn, when we get broken, even when the brokenness is due to our own choices. Yeah. And you continue writing after you, you talk about that moment, like all mortal sculptures, love this so much. I remain a work in progress while here in life's studio. My upcycler offers regular touch-ups, thank God, and much needed repairs. This sentence, lean in. It's a lean in moment here. We have these. His grace adds a gleam to my face. And that's what I see in you. Like that is it. You nailed it. (laughs) You just nailed it. You have a gleam in the world of attachment theory. We call that a gleam beam. It is that from infancy, when you are seeing your mom and dad's beaming faces at you, even when they're tired and frustrated or whatever, you know that you're seen, heard, you're cared for, you're loved, you're secure, and you're safe. That gleam beam is your security. And it helps create a person who is very, very resilient and strong and able to move through life in a different way. We now know that God uses broken people. He takes things that have been discarded. He upcycles them. And then you compare this to mosaic artistry. Well, I am a huge fan of mosaic work. So why did you choose that that particular segment of art? Well, I had already written an entire manuscript called Mosaic, and it was about how God uses broken people. So I just submitted that to my publisher for, you know, in a year or two to come to come out. But I I wanted to have that be the first chapter because it is a piece of art that reflects how God upcycles us. All the pieces are little chippy pieces, little broken pieces. And when people couldn't read the stories of scripture, Mm -hmm. when they couldn't read the Bible, the ancient cathedrals had mosaics all yeah. across their walls. So people would look and see these broken pieces mm-hmm. like they themselves are broken pieces coming together and telling the story of the gospel and how God redeems us. That is us coming together and in our testimonies, in the way God yeah. uses us, all of us together share the story of how great God is and how much he loves us. Mm. So beautiful. I love it so much. And you say that mosaics transform rubble into masterpieces. This ancient art form centers on the least and the lost. The more humble and broken the components, the more profound the outcome. You share three parts or three, uh, I don't know if it's called parts. Hold on a minute, Tina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you share with us three parts to a mosaic. Elements, composition, and setting. And you write about it beautifully in Upcycled, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about each of those three components of a mosaic and why you thought that was important for us to know. Well, the elements being the broken pieces that you choose to make part of that mosaic are, we're all broken. So we all have little jagged edges and we may think that that makes us, you know, not usable and it may make us uncomfortable with how we fit next to other really broken people. But knowing that in our brokenness, we have a perfect place where we fit Mm. in that story of the kingdom of God. God knows that we are the shape that we are. He knows where we've been and he has a perfect place for us to fit because of our backstory, not in spite of it, because of our brokenness, not in spite of it. I mean, if you look at King David, I believe he was bipolar. God didn't say, oh, you know what? Uh I missed that about you. Uh, I made a mistake. Maybe I should have picked somebody who wasn't bipolar. Fascinating. I've never heard anyone bring that out. (laughs) Well, think about, I mean, he was way way down. He was poetic. He was a warrior. He had way too many women all the time. I mean, there was lots of things that lead into that manic and depressive. When he was depressed, you read some of those Psalms. He was way depressed. He was. So, you know, knowing the gamut of emotion Mm -hmm. David would experience, who better to be someone who we can identify with as a forerunner of Christ and who can write the Psalms for us to identify with when we're hurting, when we're rejoicing, all of those spaces he experienced in full vivid living color, even more than the average person. So he was the best person to convey that. So, you know, I think God knew that and he knew the space where David would fit. And he chose him knowing that about him. Mm -hmm. He knows our brokenness. He knows where we fit. So knowing that we aren't perfect, but there are other imperfect people who are going to help us complete that space in the picture. We need to be beside other people and it works together. So the composition is important too, because Mm -hmm. just like the cogs in a machine, you have a strong piece that sticks out from the wheel and you have a gap where there isn't anything, there's a space where something's missing. Well, that's mm-hmm. where another strong piece for another yes. wheel is going to fit. Mm. And that makes us work together. And the same is true in a mosaic. Those, those jagged, mm. irregular edges of ours are going to fit perfectly into the picture when they're put next to someone else's irregular spaces. So our gifts and our stories mm. fit us together to really fulfill the purposes of God. And then Mm. that media, that setting, that is what perfects all of our brokenness and all the ways that it fits together and makes it beautiful. So when you have that white mortar Mm. that goes between all those broken pieces, that makes all things come together Mm -hmm. into a story that sets firm and is clean and lasts forever. Yeah. Which really leads to that, uh, a huge significant theme that you bring to the table. One that I am deeply passionate about is how we label ourselves and how harmful those labels are in defining our sense of self. As you said, low self-esteem at that stage at 19 in your life, you know, that was a part of what drew you to Christ, praise be to God. 
but these comparison-based evaluations, like I see in a mosaic, right, that the pieces aren't competing with each other. Like they're, they have to be there in order to make the fuller, beautiful picture. Yet we're still doing that. At least I am in my world, still living from often a comparison-based mindset. So what did you glean from in your studies for this book and in your life's journey about that, these harmful labels? Well, the enemy always wants us to have an identity that's going to keep us from the identity that designer has for us. So when we have labels that are stuck on us, Mm. then we're not able to wear the label we were meant to wear. God Mm. wants to give us a new identity and a new name that isn't just about us. It's about him and us, him through us. And that is so much bigger than we can do on our own. So all those things about our appearance, our performance, our achievements, our social status, our financial status, all of those things that we label ourselves with, whether it's a positive or negative label, Mm -hmm. usually it's negative because none of those things can fulfill us. None of those things can give us that eternal resonance of significance and identity and purpose and fulfillment. We're just going to always feel like I can't get enough. I can't accomplish Mm -hmm. enough. I can't be enough. I'm not good enough. And those are Mm -hmm. the labels we're getting. I'm failing. I'm failing. I'm failing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I keep making mistakes. I keep not measuring up. Mm -hmm. And, and when we can pull off that label and submit it to Jesus, submit ourselves to Jesus so he can scrub off the stubborn parts of that label that tend to get sticky and Mm -hmm. it's hard to get off all the way. Yeah. And he can start putting his label, his identity on us. When you look all through scripture, people gave up who they said they were Mm. identified who they said God was, and God gave them a new name. He did. It wasn't based on what they could do or what they had done or where they were. Gideon Mm. was in a hole when he called him a mighty warrior and he was the most terrified, the least important person. So terrified. And who was that? Who he's like, wait, you got the wrong guy. Find somebody else. And, and Moses did the same thing. Find somebody else. I'm not the guy, you know, he got a new identity as a deliverer of Israel. And he had been, he was old. He'd been an outcast. He'd been exiled. He was a murderer. I mean, he just didn't feel like he Mm -hmm. got, you got the wrong dude. Go find somebody else. My brother speaks better. Why don't you use him? And then Abram, Abram was not a father at the time that God called him the father of nations. He gave him an identity based on what God was going to do through him, Mm -hmm. not based on what he had done, where he had been, what had happened Mm -hmm. to him or what he could even see or imagine over himself. Same with Peter. Peter was not a rock. Peter. Peter was the ADHD poster child. He would blurt out whatever came to his head. He was impulsive and just not, not a rock, not somebody stable, but God called him. So impetuous before he became that. He did. And And it's making me want to stop and, and, and give pause to perhaps this moment where we can come before God and say, is it time for a new name, like a new mosaic? Like I I just pictured when you were talking that all these labels, right, that we have placed upon ourselves. like if you had held up to me a beautiful mosaic mirror that you had made, would you mind holding that up right now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
And so if you, if you're just listening, you can't see it, but Tina, you made this yourself. Tell us about this journey of making this mosaic mirror. Well, this is just an, a simple dollar tree, dollar store mirror and a little cheapo little stick on kind of mirror in the middle. I mean, the frame was from the dollar store and then the little mirror was really cheap. And then I got some little fragments, some glass fragments, and I cemented this mirror in the middle because I want the people to see themselves in that story of God upcycling broken pieces (laughs) in our lives and in our communities with other broken people to be part of the kingdom of God. And the great thing about these kinds of craft projects that really illustrate what we're learning and give us a tangible way to work through this is that we can also pay it forward and complete that blessing by giving something like that to a domestic mm-hmm. violence shelter yeah, or you a have children's that in the book. home. I love that. Yes, yes places you can donate. Your this. purpose in the book mm-hmm. is uh, craft with every chapter and then suggestions on how to pay this forward yes. or to give this light to someone else. I love that. I'm so glad you brought that point up. Can I read a little bit more? Just a little bit because sure, it's so good. Sure. Okay. So you write sharp edges from past and current issues cause pain points. Digging barehanded in the darkness to restore ourselves can trigger suffering instead of healing. Trauma memories jab our tender attempts to unearth their source. Shattered people gash us with slander. Our self-doubts reinforce their scourging. We search for worth and purpose, but come up with handfuls of rubble. Fortunately, the work of making us worthy isn't up to us at all. We can unload everything at the feet of our creator. And you just said this, the ultimate artist transforms our messes into masterpieces. You offer these two questions in light of what we've read and what we've talked about. Can serving to establish our worth prove counterproductive? Yes, because we're trying to do it on our own strength. And you're going to be fighting against God trying to do it for you when you're trying to do it on your own strength. So Mm -hmm. when you're serving to establish your worth, God has already handled it. So in other words, if I'm, if I'm doing works or if I'm doing good things, if I'm doing anything to prove my worth, it's going to be counterproductive because the only way that I can receive what I say in our community here, our value, worth, and dignity is through opening my hands and receiving the work Christ did for me on the cross. Is that what That's I'm hearing? Right. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then, as you said, in the second question I was going to ask that you offer is how can jagged edges and differences become relational art? We are all so different. And sometimes those differences feel uncomfortable, but sometimes that's what polishes us and helps us to become better. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that yeah, I need, somebody needs to be a better listener. Somebody needs to be more assertive. And when you put those two people together, they can help each other grow in those spaces. Mm-hmm. And they can also help represent each other and do the things that maybe you're not equipped to do. Maybe I need somebody with the gift of hospitality mm-hmm. in my ministry. Cause I don't yeah. have that. And, <laughs> you know, of the other things I could, I could teach, I could do this or that, but I sure not, can not gonna, not gonna go and do the hospitality stuff. Cause I just <laughs> really stink at that. 
I'm not really good at the follow-up phone calls and going and doing all the logistical stuff. I need somebody who's good at that in my ministry. So yeah. we need each other's giftings we to complement and strengthen each other. Mm-hmm. And we need to learn to work together and we respect do. each other's giftings and realize it's good that you're not just like me. Yes, because we need so good different than me to be here too. <laughs> it's so. so good that we're not the same. And I know that you and I know that because we we have talked about comparison and how how that is um certainly killing the power of women moving forward in unity. It is what I base everything that I do on is gathering women together putting aside our jealousies, our envies, our comparisons so that we can stand shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart, hand in hand and move forward as an army of angels on earth here to to do good. And so I want to just leave us today because a huge impetus of this book and of the work that you're offering us through Upcycled is about gathering. You say gathering is so vital to us truly living an upcycled life, living in our wholeness, living as a beautiful mosaic. Why? Why is that so important? When God made all the things in creation, they were good, except when he came to Genesis 2 and he said, it is not good for man to be alone. Ah. We were created in the image of Elohim a triune relational God. So we were made to have relationships with people. When we are living in isolation, we're living outside of the way we were intended to operate, outside Mm. of our functioning, outside of our design. So when we're not living according to our design, we're going to experience dysfunction. We're not functioning when we're alone. We're not Mm. able to use the gifts that God put into us. Read more about Tina's story and learn from her. She's a licensed therapist and life coach and just a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. You can see more of her work also on her website at www.tinayeager.com. T-I-N-A-Y-E-A-G-E-R.com.